Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let us unite together in prayer. Our Father, we are indeed so grateful for the message that you have presented in your word, the birth of your Son came into this world that he might be the savior of all men, to grow into a man that he might die on the cross of Calvary, whose blood would cleanse us from our sins. We thank you, Lord, and most especially we thank you this morning for the privilege of sharing together in this most joyous day. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today certainly is one of the most beautiful and glorious days of the entire year, not because there's sunshine today and it's warm, or some of us would rather see the snow flying today, it would be more Christmassy, some of you say no, well, well, if you like warm weather, you've got it, the Lord has provided it, if you want the snow to fly, you're going to have to go out west. So uh, half of us have snow this year and half have sunshine, I guess. But the thing that makes it joyous and a glorious day is that this is the most famous birthday of all time when Jesus Christ came into the world born of the Virgin Mary. And we've come this morning to celebrate that particular day. You know, the Old Testament has 330 prophecies about Jesus Christ. And four of those prophecies are fulfilled in this very chapter that that we read. You might like to see if you can find them. uh, They're there. 
and uh, we'll talk about more about them this evening. There's one thing that we can absolutely be sure of, and that, if, that is if God promises something, it's going to come about. Whether it is dealing with the birth of his son or whether it's dealing with something in your life and mine, if he gives us a promise, it will come about. It will come about in his due time when he believes that it's right for, uh, the, for our lives as well as right within his will. When it comes to the prophecy of the birth of Christ, we've known of it throughout the Old Testament, and we have the recording of it here in Matthew and, of course, over in Luke, that Jesus came into the world born of the Virgin. What kind of response should we make this morning to that particular event? Well, there are basically three responses that people make to the birth of Christ. One is a response of hostility such as is identified in the person of Herod, who was very, very hostile at the fact that Jesus was born. Around the world this morning, you can find lots of hostility that comes back to the point that, uh, and it's centered upon the birth of Jesus Christ, the fact that there was a Savior born into this world. There are millions of people who are hostile to that very attitude. Secondly, there is an attitude of indifference which was expressed by the chief priests and the scribes on this particular day that we read here in this reading of the birth of Christ. And there's where probably more people fall than any other category is so what? There is no concern that this is the birthday of Jesus Christ. It is the day to open presents and we all will agree to that. But we believe that we open presents to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, even when we give them to each other. But that is not the belief of most people in the world today. And amongst your friends and family, as well as mine, you will find those who do not care that today is the birthday of Jesus Christ. It is a time of getting something from somebody else that makes it important. And what a tragedy it is that we're not concerned or care about the birth of Christ. Thirdly, there is the attitude that was expressed by the wise men when they came to worship. And hopefully that's why we're here this morning, is to worship the newborn babe that was born in, in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, a little town of insignificance, was chosen as the town where Jesus would be born. If you were in Bethlehem today, I understand by looking at the news that you wouldn't find very much the uh, celebration of the birth of the child because of the turmoil in that country and they've canceled so many things and the soldiers are on the street in order to be assured that there is no violence today. It's a sleepy little village. What happened there? Not much. If you read in the Old Testament, you'll find that Jacob buried Rachel in the town of Bethlehem in the cemetery there. You will find that Ruth met Boaz in the town of Bethlehem, and, and she became one of those who was in the line of, of Christ. You will find that outside the town of Bethlehem on the hillside where the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock, it was the same hills that David watched over the flocks of his father. 
but not much else to remind us that this is a town of any importance. And yet the Lord Jesus has always taken the most insignificant times, places, and people to bring about the mighty acts uh, that God wants revealed to his people. In this country, there was a king called Herod the Great who ruled from Jerusalem. It was to Jerusalem that the wise men came seeking information about where the Christ child would be born. Now Herod was an Edomite. You maybe don't know anything much about the Edomites, but they were the descendants of Esau. The, the line of Christ came down through Jacob, the line of Herod down through Esau, Jacob's brother. He had been appointed by Julius Caesar as the prefect, the ruler over the country of Israel, basically. But in 40 B.C., 40 years before the birth of Christ, Octavius had appointed Herod, along with the approval of the Roman Senate, to be not just the prefect, but to be the king of the Jews. And that's the point at which Jesus comes into the world to be born king of the Jews in the dominion of already a king of the Jews appointed by the Roman government. What kind of a man was this Herod? You'll find that history tells us that he was a very cruel man. His wife was a Jew. And her brother, Aristobulus, was the high priest. But as brother-in-laws don't get along too well, Herod had his brother-in-law executed. Not only did he have his brother-in-law executed, but he had his wife executed, and he had two of his own sons executed, and his wife's mother executed. Just five days before Herod himself died, he had his third son executed. And then he ordered the arrest of all of the distinguished men, citizens of Jerusalem, to be put in prison. And upon the moment of his death, they were all to be executed. Because he wanted mourning in Jerusalem at the time of his death. And nobody was going to mourn his death, not even his family, and therefore there was mourning in Jerusalem when uh, Herod died because of all of the fine men of that community that died as well. It was to this king of the Jews that the wise men came from the Orient seeking information about where the new king of the Jews was to be born. What do we know about these wise men? Well, they're called Magi, or wise men. Magi means magician. We can go back in history and find that they have been recognized at least 700 years before Christ, where they were involved in the occult, in sorcery, and in dream interpretation, and in the performing of magic, and all of those things that are of the devil. 
a part of the Babylonian Empire and were the advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar and to other kings of that day. You may remember that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. When he woke up from that dream, he couldn't remember what the dream was, let alone interpret it. He called all of his magicians, the wise men that he had in his realm, who were capable of performing all kinds of magic and sorcery to interpret his dream. They could not. Someone remembered that there was a man amongst the Jewish men that had been taken captive that could do such things, and so they called Daniel. Daniel interpreted the dream for King Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar was about to put all of his wise men to death because they could not interpret his dream. But Daniel interceded for these men who were supposedly so wise and prevented their death. On behalf of these men, he went to Nebuchadnezzar and, and pleaded that he would not put them to death. Now we find some hundred years later that the same type of person, a magician, a member of the occult, magicians, interpreters of dreams, are coming to Jerusalem and doing it in a different manner. They're coming to worship. What changed their attitude, their outlook over these hundreds of years? We don't know. But there is speculation and only speculation that Daniel preached to them the coming gospel of Jesus Christ. The impending king of the Jews that would be born in Bethlehem that would be the savior of the world. And these men maybe were converted from their occultism to the worship of Jehovah God and began to study and serve the real God to whom God had revealed the coming of his son in the presence of a star, a spatial star in heaven that would lead them to the very house where the baby with his mother were living. So they came asking, where is he? that is born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. People have over the years tried to speculate as to what this star means, where it came from, what it was. I think it's somewhat foolish of us to spend much time on it, because there is nothing in uh, the study of the stars that can give us much of a hint as to what it might have been, and people have speculated of all kinds of things that could have taken place with the heavenly bodies that would indicate this star. I think certainly it was a special star given of God for this very special purpose. But when the wise men got to Jerusalem, they lost the star. It no longer appeared, and so they came to Herod and inquired of him as to where this child was to be born and the scripture says that Herod was troubled at the question. Why? Well, I think it's obvious that he saw the birth of this child as a threat to his own kingdom, to his position upon earth, 
And he became very jealous. You see, Herod was not thinking very far ahead. He didn't realize that his days were numbered and before the Christ child was very old, he would be dead and gone. He thought that his life would be lived on for many years and he would still be king when this baby became of age that he might be a threat to him. He expected to live forever. The very reason that multitudes of people today do not believe in and accept the same child that Herod was approached with because they seem to think that life is on and on forever. I think every Christmas this thought goes through my mind as I stand in the pulpit and preach. How many of the people who sit before me today won't be here next year because the Lord will have taken them from this world? There will be some of you that will not, or maybe myself, who will not be here to celebrate this day next year because our lives will cease to exist. If we're Christian, the Lord will take us home. But if you're not a Christian, and you cease to be in this world a year from now, remember that the Lord sent His Son into the world to make it possible to live forever. Those of us who are saved will die physically, but we know that we have eternal life because of the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem's manger. And we believed in him and put our trust in him and committed our lives to him. Because of that, he not only is the Christ child born in Bethlehem's manger, nor the Christ who died upon the cross, but he is the resurrected Savior who, who sits today on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. But the thing we also can notice very quickly, not only was Herod troubled, but all the people in Jerusalem were troubled as well. Why were they so troubled? Well, had you known Herod like they knew Herod, you would have been troubled too, would you not? You see, the thing of it is, when a ruler is disturbed, his followers are disturbed. When the President of the United States has problems, we have problems, do we not? When our governor is disturbed, we are disturbed. When the leadership of our church is disturbed, the church is disturbed. When we as individuals are disturbed, we find the trickling down effect of our disturbance reaches out and affects the people about us. And we become all distraught or disturbed for the influence of one person has an effect upon many people around us. And so if we sow disquietness, we will find that people around us are disquieted. If we talk about confusion, we will find that people about us are confused. If we talk in discouraging terms, we will discourage many people. It behooves us as Christian people to be positive and upbeat and praise God at all times for our influence will influence those around us. And Herod was disturbed. And so he caused discouragement 
and disquietness and confusion amongst his people and particularly amongst those who were weak and unsettled or perhaps young. But all of the people of Jerusalem were disturbed at what was Herod going to do. Well, what he did was he called the chief priests and the scribes. He went to the church, to the temple on that day, and said to the chief priests and the scribes, tell me, where is this child to be born? Well, they opened up their Old Testament and they began to read and they found out where it said in the scripture that he was to be born and they quoted to Herod there in verse 6 the very definite quote Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. One would have thought that the chief priests and the scribes receiving this information from the wise men from the Orient would have hurried to Bethlehem to worship the Christ child. But they, like the indifferent of today, saw no value nor concern. In other words, they didn't believe the scripture itself. They wanted to take their belief from something else. They were not at all interested in what was going to happen. For Christmas is a time to party. It's a time to do all of the exciting things that seem to be offered to enjoy the, the tinsel and all the things that go with it. And there's nothing wrong with good Christian enjoyment of this nature. But you look at all the things that have happened and will happen yet today. This is one of the, uh, last night was one of the most drunken days of all the year. On the eve of the birth of Christ and people are getting so sass that they can't get out of bed this morning. What a commentary upon the indifference to the birth of Christ. And even those who do not imbibe in such things are saying, See if I care. So what that this is the day of the birth of the Savior? So what? I've entitled the message, Fools and Wise Men. I think I have seen a lot of fools in my day, as well as have you. And I'm not talking about the ignorant, the uneducated, those with lesser mental capacities than the average. I'm talking about those who have tremendous mental capacities, who are the educated and the leaders and the, the people of distinction and uh, the successful people of this world who have not seen value in a little simple thing like a baby born and placed in a manger. The wise people are those who recognize the value in what God has provided. And these men came from many, many miles. They traveled at great cost in order that they might come to Bethlehem and worship the Christ child. When they came and found the child and his mother, they didn't worship his mother. They worshiped the child 
and they gave him gifts. Three gifts are presented, which as we have discussed in Sunday school class at least last Sunday, we sort of think there are three wise men, and that's uh, probably not accurate at all. We don't know how many wise men. We just know that they brought three gifts. But I want you to quickly notice the gifts. One of them was gold. The gold was brought as a symbol of his nobility and his royalty, a gift that was fitting a king. See, God works in mysterious ways. Very shortly, Joseph must take the young child and go to Egypt and live there until Herod is dead. And something must, somebody must finance that period of time of their travel and their living there. God provided that men, wise men from the Orient, present the Christ child with gold that he might have the wherewithal to stay those periods of months in Egypt. Secondly, they brought him frankincense, which is a very costly incense. And the Hebrew people burned incense on the altar that it might go up as a sweet-smelling odor to God. They brought him incense to commemorate his deity, that he was deserving of the most precious thing that they had that they would offer unto their God. And thirdly, they brought myrrh. Myrrh was a type of material that was mixed with spices that was used when they buried the dead. Isn't it interesting that these wise men brought material that would be used in the burial of the body of Christ? So this myrrh represents his humanity. Let's do them again. The gold represents his lordship, his kingship. The frankincense was given to represent his deity, and the myrrh was given to represent his humanity. We come this morning to honor and praise the same Jesus. Today belongs to him. It's his birthday. Whatever we do with family or friends, let us remember that we do it to honor Jesus Christ our Savior. Now the question, who has an answer? How is it possible that a son could be older than his mother? Anybody? All right, we got two different answers, and here we go. First of all, because Jesus Christ was older than his mother and that he has always been and always will be. That's the primary answer. And then, Danny, you hit it on the head, but Jeff made the point this morning to me downstairs, and that's how I want to say it. Jeff is older than his mother. Did you know that? By how many days, Jeff? Twelve days older than his mother. Did you know that? He was saved twelve days before his mother. His spiritual birth came before his mother's spiritual birth. Isn't that great? I didn't think of that. Jeff did. I had to put it into this this morning. You see, we were born physically, but that is of minor consequence, minor interest. It's our spiritual birth that means something. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, coming from, the, from the Bethlehem's manger all the way to the cross and now is in glory. He did it because he loved you and me. And we're born again. I hope all of us are born again. If you're not born again, we're going to give you the invitation as we sing a hymn. And we invite you to come forward and say, I want to claim that Christ child born in Bethlehem's manger as my Savior. And then at the end of that song, Mary Ann's going to come up uh, so that we can welcome her. I want to give her her, her her birth certificate, her baptismal certificate. 
and you'll want to come up and greet her and welcome her into the church. Marianne, you and Donnie ought to come up, and Jeff, you ought to come up too and stand with Marianne, give her a little moral support when we do that. But first, let's sing just two verses, the first and last of a number. If you're not a Christian, you want to receive the Christ that we have talked about this morning as your Savior. Will you come and do it as we stand? 487. 487. Stand, first and last verses. On the last verse, stand. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.